welcome to Great Minds. And today we are absolutely enjoying an embarrassment of riches. We have two guests for this episode. We have Lindy Yaccarino and Linwood Bibbins. So welcome to you both. Thanks for having us on. Thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. So Linda is the chairman of Global Advertising and Partnerships at NBCU. Linwood is the CEO and founder of Reach TV, and we're going to talk about the NBCU Reach TV partnership. But I, I want to start with both of you by going back a little bit. And we've done our uh, great minds. Crack staff has done extensive research. We know you both have Pennsylvania roots, going back to your universe, going back to your university days, and you both share something else in that you were heavily influenced by family members. Linda, I'd love to start with you and talk a little bit about your mom, who I knew was such an influential figure to you. Thank you so much for asking that. And I love the research that you did to make the connections between Linda and Lynn Wood, because um, we have formed a great uh, partnership and in turn friendship and and we're like-minded in in the vision of where we like to take this so i appreciate that a lot in terms of my mother aka isabella yaccarino um you know the the biggest part i i think that the biggest influence that she had on my life was actually her philosophy of of investing in her children to give them a better life that she couldn't have and and some of the the life that she she could have taken advantage of but didn't have the opportunity was cultural it was um generational as the as a um first generation italian american immigrant you know women didn't often if ever get the chance to go to college even if there was money women uh uh or or, or being a female didn't put you at the top of the list of going to college culturally uh, uh, and generationally, she learned from getting married at a very young age and having three daughters that the path to a better life for any of her daughters was an education. So, so what she drilled into our heads along with my dad was get as good of an education that you can get so you can become as independent as you want to become from whatever chosen field uh, we would get into. I have two sisters. We're all in different businesses. My uh, twin sister is a highly accomplished medical professional. She has her doctorate in nursing and travels all over the world uh, uh, consulting on healthcare. Uh, my older sister is a banker. So, and somehow I landed, I don't know how that, that uh, judges me uh, in the media and advertising business. So, so all of us definitely heeded her advice because although she's only four foot 11, you listen to Isabella Yaccarino when she says, get an education. You're like, I got it. Otherwise bad things would happen to us. But um, she has been the biggest influence on, uh, uh, and giving all of her daughters the broadest wings we could ever have. So thank you for asking that. That was a fantastic answer. And Linwood, I know your grandfather was very influential to you, as was mine. My son is named after him, and he is the one in my family who I remember most fondly. I'd love for you to talk about your grandfather and, and sort of instilling that early work ethic and entrepreneurial spirit in you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's kind of funny. Uh, first, I want to say it's great being partners with Linda. 
um, it feels like we've known each other 30 years because we make jokes all the time and, and then we can pick up in the middle of sentences. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. But my grandfather, I think he was influenced for our whole neighborhood, not just me and not just our family. He was one of those guys that didn't have to say much, um, but led by example. And one of the things, having a second grade education and being 6'4", 260, you know, he, he watched certain things happen to him. And I, I think one of the, the most impressive qualities that I, I watched him have is nothing bothered him more than 30 seconds. So, you know, and he, he instilled that in me that nothing really bothers me. It, a lot of things happen and I look at them, they happen. I analyze it and then I'm off to the next thing because the next part of that sentence was always, we're still here. You're blessed. You always look at everything as a blessing. So nothing, I never get too high, I never get too low. And I'm always just me, which is really pretty energetic and happy, which is what my grandfather was and what he meant to our neighborhood and to our entire family. You know, everybody from when I grew up in Hillside, New Jersey, and when I posted a picture of my grandfather, there was more people saying my pops than it was just our family. So it's that is always what I aspire to be around uh, our friends and family is to be that type of leader to them. Fantastic. So, Linda, you had an unusual career in one respect in that you had almost 20 years at one place and now just about 10 years at another and you've risen you know it doesn't get any higher being chair of at the global level as you are but you began quite humbly as i recall as an intern at nbcu <laughs> i also began my career as an intern at the atlanta chamber of commerce way back when talk about those days and did you ever imagine or dream then when you were late teens maybe 2021 if that that you would have a career as you have and are still very much in the midst of? Well, I can comment on kind of like what the kind of circuitous route of my whole career has gotten to me where, where I am today. But I will tell you, coincidental completely, but my, uh, if you counted my internship at NBCU when I was in college, uh, this is my fourth time at the company. And I actually jumped, Bessie Linwood, you learned something new, Linwood. Um, but the I jumped back and forth actually a couple of times between Turner Broadcasting then, Warner Media now, and NBCU actually. So the accumulation of all of those years really started when I was in college and I was actually majoring, my major was largely production. So I was in love, I fell in love with content at a very early age. And I always loved television and it, I was drawn to that, that major. Uh, and I really believed that I was going to produce television. I was particularly interested in children's television and had, had really the desire to create the next Sesame Street. That was my, my, uh, the idealism of a young student. And I ended up getting an internship at WNBC in their local production department. And I set out for my internship to live my dream. And when I showed up on the first day, uh, they said, I said, oh, hi, I'm Lindy Acarino here for my internship. They're like, Linda who? From where? No record of me. 
I was not going to be in the uh, community uh, production or local production at WNBC. So things got sorted out and I landed in the finance department of the sales division. Okay. So, so what, what was a devastating couple of days before they could figure out what happened, I land and I learned about not only, I went from very quickly over a summer thinking I was going to be in the production and creation of content to falling, falling in love with the business of content. And I learned a whole new world about the business of content, monetization, distribution, all of those key foundational things that, uh, you know, I was taught as an intern, which is an incredible experience. And from then on, it was a love affair. And I stayed on the business side of content for the, the next bunch of years. So that was how I landed into learning. Because back then, uh, there wasn't really a lot of... Um, a lot of majors that taught you about the, the, you know, I'll call it research, data, technology, but the monetization of the business that we're in. And it was a great fit. And then it was just off to the races from there. Amazing. And you've been engaged with and talking about content and monetization, which I know is the basis of the NBCU Reach TV partnership, really before anybody even knew what it was, to your credit. So incredible. So Linwood, you graduate from school, I think in about 1995 mm -hmm. and immediately become a founder starting out in the hardware business. What was it that drove you to start right away as what has become an, an incredible story of one entrepreneurial success after another? Um, it was great. It, it was a bunch of guys I went to college with that had already started the business. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, I'll back up one step. I had spent two years prior, three years prior, I would work the Cutco knives for the summer. And I did it because I saw the sign that said $10 an hour, whatever it was, some ridiculously high rate. I was all excited. And then I ended up selling Cutco knives. Um, that taught me, um, I sold $25,000 worth of knives in the summer. And it taught me the foundation of how to go from business because I was really focused on an accounting uh, part of the business. And then it taught me how to do the entire business. And I was called Gintu Man through college and everybody used to laugh and joke. And But what I was is super organized. So when my buddies who had started this business um, needed somebody to help organize their warehouse and understand what they were doing shipping, I said, sure, I'm not doing anything else yet. I'm figuring out what I want to do. Um, I started that as a six-month assignment. I finished it in two months. And then I walked out and said, what is this big clunky thing? And it was a leading edge big laptop with a handle on it. And uh, within four months, I was a top sales guy. Within six months, I was like, well, you can't afford me, so make me a partner. And um, they did, but then they tried to make me not a full partner. I said, well, full partner, or no, I leave. And I don't know how they agreed, but they did. And uh, that's where it started. Amazing stuff. So <laughs> we have so much ground to cover. I'm just going to jump around a little bit. Linda, you, you're charged with leading a global organization, almost 2,000 people, driving give or take 12 billion in revenue, and leading through the most extraordinary, unimagined period of our lives the last year and a half or so. You also are a mother, and you have a daughter who's on the front lines helping people working at New York Presbyterian Hospital. That must be an incredible uh, jumble 
of conflicting emotions, making sure you're keeping not only your company safe, but worrying about your daughter who's helping save lives on the front lines. Talk about how you've navigated that the last year and change. And there must have been some difficult moments for you. You know, again, the last year and a half has been difficult and challenging and stressful and heart-wrenching and unthinkable for all of us. We all just experienced it in very, very different ways. And, and I have to say, of course, having a close family member, specifically um, my daughter on the front lines, and actually simultaneously, my twin sister was running the uh, COVID task force for Kaiser Permanent Day on the West Coast. Uh, throughout the whole, I'll say the first eight to 10 months of this. Um, so to have family members on the front lines when there was so much uncertainty, particularly at the, the beginning, put, put yes, a whole new level of stress, but it actually immediately prioritized the health and safety of obviously my own personal family, but my work family too. So that came first and it was a very sobering um, you know, kind of stop sign that says, wait a minute, is everybody okay? What can we do as a company to make sure that everyone is as safe and healthy as possible? And then we'll talk about business continuity. So it really, um, actually the stress that I felt every day, you know, with my daughter going to work for these endless shifts, would, and is she home from her shift? Is she working? Okay, how's everything going? Um, just put immediately in perspective that um, we had an important role to keep the company going, but we also had a greater obligation to put everyone else before, you know, kind of what we would normally look at and say, you know, you know, the bottom line was on pause for a couple of weeks, right? Make sure everyone's up and running and healthy and at home. But, but quite frankly, the bigger obligation was to come together with our employees, our partners, to help bring the necessary information out to the marketplace that we needed because I even had a sense of responsibility to help spread the message that my daughter was, was encountering every single day. Stay home, wear your mask. Obviously months go by, a year goes by, it morphs into get your vaccine. But I felt a really great obligation and opportunity from the position I was in to help spread the message and to, to do it from an educated uh, uh, pair of eyes and ears through my daughter's voice. I actually even had my daughter come on to one of our employee broadcasts to talk about what it was like in the early days of COVID because let's think about it, all of us in the media industry were extraordinarily lucky. We could go home and work from home. You know what? Patients like their nurses at the bedside. They like their doctors by the bedside. So to, to hear from a voice that was experiencing an extra layer, I think put it in perspective, an extra layer of risk um, and adversity put, put a lot in perspective for my team and my company. And, and really when a lot of people asked me, how was I doing during the pandemic? My answer was always the same. In the grand scheme of what this world is going through, and particularly the frontline workers, I don't have a complaint in the world. 
and I hope one of the things we take away as we move, you know, people are starting to talk to return to office and we're talking about traveling and we're talking about a freedom that we once took for granted. I hope that it does give everyone pause, right? To say, as we enter in this new world um, where we're happily going to start traveling, right? I'm going to call you Woody for the first time, right? Woody? <laughs> um, he gets mad at me because I'm very formal and call him Linwood. But as we have this new sense of freedom that we go into it with a new lens and a new appreciation for each other, a new respect, a new patience, and knowing that we have to stand shoulder to shoulder with our friends and partners moving forward. Incredibly well said. One of the other traits that you both share is a real passion for, and you both live the real manifestation of leadership. You've both broken through glass ceilings. Linwood, I've heard you talk quite a bit about the challenges of being a Black entrepreneur contrasted with the challenges of being a white entrepreneur. And I'd love to dive into that subject a little bit uh, before we really get into the business of the partnership around Reach TV with NBCU. Yeah, it's um, it's a subject that I'm very comfortable talking about. I think um, some people are not. I think, and by the way, Linda, I loved your answer. Um, that was uh, very well said. I really appreciate what you said. Um, just uh, knowing that I have a lot of family members, multiple that were affected, uh, two that died. So it was it was extremely, I think everybody went through the same amount of stress and I think there was so much up and down. And I think I'm hoping that people really do take an appreciation for a friend, family, and just life in general. Um, um, so before I jump into this answer, but that was, I wanted to say that. Um, on this subject, it's very important to me because one, I, I think the first message I always make sure I'm clear on is it really won't stop me or it shouldn't stop anybody, right? With that said, there's some really fundamental differences that need to be uh, balanced out. And that, that, that a lot of times is, if you look at the, the number one reason that black businesses fail, it's funding. And then there's lack of funding. And then there's lack of places to get funding. And I, I've been watching that. And then I look at it from a prism, a prism of myself. I've sold and exited companies and still it was harder for me to raise money than some people counterparts, which really doesn't make sense. I shouldn't have to walk in a room and go, okay, well, we want to make sure that that model works. I think you know, over your history of your career, I know other people are getting, and I won't mention names, but there's companies that are raising billions of dollars on an idea and they never even executed those things. I'm in that business and executed and was still having a hard time raising money I really didn't want to raise money because I had my own and I wanted to start it myself, but it was an interesting process to see. And I think there needs to be more people of color in the investment community. I think there has to be a lack of, there has to be a more accountability. So people are doing a lot of announcements, but not a lot of execution. And I think they need to hold themselves accountable and really be honest about it. And, and I think they're going to stop the parameters, which I've seen up close and personal watching this, holding a new business to a standard that a 20-year business has is never going to support a new business. And I'm watching that, and I, I don't know if it's 
Well, I do know. I, I think sometimes it's easier to have the excuse of why you're not going to fund something versus why you can. And I think if everybody just took one step back and looked at the impact of Black culture on overall pop culture and then on pop culture's influence on revenue and everything else you do, you'll see why it's smart to invest in Black-owned businesses and, and minority-owned businesses because they drive culture and that culture drives pop culture. And so it's just, a, it's, a, a, it's, a, it's a philosophical thing that is really tough for a lot of people to talk about. They get really uncomfortable. And I think it's, I'm pretty good with making everybody feel comfortable, but also being honest. Well, listen, you have to talk about these things and I'm glad we did. Linda, I want to talk about one, but before that, you were very, really a pioneer, really before digital was nearly as prominent as it is today in developing in context, which as I recall was the industry's first contextual platform to help get the right ad in the right place at the right time. But the technology world, when you were doing that some time ago, was very different. Talk about the journey from in context to one, and an awful lot has changed from the first to one, which at NBCU is truly groundbreaking. If I could just, before I answer the context question, I want to respond a little bit or react to what Woody was saying about the influence uh, on culture. Uh, of the black population and the contribution and the impact on really what is the current and everyday zeitgeist, right? Of, of what you talk about. And I have never heard you articulate that before. And it's really fascinating because I guess it would kind of underscore uh, what reach is all about, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, if you um, listen to or or have heard me uh, talk our conversations many many times, it's one of the things that um, when people ask me, why do you stay at NBCU so long, or what what drives you being at NBCU, and I talk about uh, the very fortunate position of sitting at the intersection of media and technology that actually creates culture. So the value uh, values of the basis of not only uh, uh, Linwood as an executive, but the core values of his company. And look what happened. We came to each other because we have these shared values, but I never heard you articulate it like that before. So it really makes a whole heck of a lot of sense that we said, okay, um, uh, all of our assets coming together on paper look great. Now let's make it formal and make a big partnership and bring it to the marketplace, which is one of the most unique partnerships um, there is in the whole ecosystem. So I just wanted to respond to that because I'm very struck by what you said. I never heard you articulate it um, like that before. So that being said, it, it kind of sort of connected to, to what I would say is almost a career-long obsession with context and the contextual placement um, of the right advertising at the right time. And a lot of it started, came from, come from, you know, when we all went to school and you're in advertising one-on-one, -on -one, you learn about priming, right? Which you learn that when you're, you're in an environment or that your mind or any of your senses are primed for something, when you're served in an ad, you retain the information better, you react, you have more of the opportunity or more predisposed to actually purchase that product, all very fundamental things. And I always thought that the digital platforms had the technology and the capability 
uh, right out of the gate to actually serve ads immediately in context um, when television, historically, when we had been known as the kind of big dumb pipe, you had this giant reach, pun intended, to what we're going to talk about <laughs> in a few minutes, but you had this giant reach capability, but you were serving largely anonymous ads to people that weren't necessarily um, in the market for those type of goods. The great thing that has happened and evolved is that we're at a point now where we're able to serve the right ad at the right time to the right consumer. And that's just today's version, more mature, more sophisticated of what I would call content in context. You want to be able to tell marketers, or I want to be able to tell them that I sold more of their stuff. I know that sounds very technical and I'm very articulate, but if I can go to Mark Pritchard at Proctor and say, I'm your number one seller of Pampers because of this capability that we have, then they're going to invest more money in my company. So, so that's the goal. And that's why developing these capabilities to differentiate NBC Universal that has giant, uh, not only reach capabilities, but also technical capabilities to bring context to life in a really, really big way. And that hopefully answers your question about context. It was really an effort to deliver the best possible viewing experience to the consumer with ads that they like because people don't hate advertising. They hate advertising that doesn't pertain to them. And that's what with the beauty of um, you know, our, our streaming platform, Peacock, it only has five minutes of commercials. There's only two spots maximum per pod, no matter what length, and they're all contextually served. So we know our audience and we know that we're delivering the audience the ads that they want. So imagine when we have the thousands of thousands of screens available with reach as millions and millions of people start to travel and we apply this capability and technology to, to travelers all over the world, ultimately. It's going to be incredibly effective. So we talked about uh, commonalities. We talked about Pennsylvania roots for both of you. We talked about leadership as another trait that binds the two of you. Trust would be another one. You're both known in the marketplace as world-class people. Your word is your bond and your mediums are both trustworthy. In our age of technology that we're in right now and data and breaches of data, the definition of trust has changed dramatically in our business, right? It used to be, can you trust your advertising? And it was a very simple, you know, is that message true? Trust now because of technology has taken on a whole new definition. Let's talk about trust and then talk about trusted partnership, which is really what links NBCU and Reach TV together. But Woody, I'd love to start with you and let's just dive into the trust swimming pool. Yeah, I mean, I think trust, I'm going to go all the way back to your first question when you talk about um, my grandfather. I mean, he's a guy that everything he did was on a handshake. And I was taught very early on, you look somebody in the eye, you shake their hand, your word is your bond. And those are things we live by all the way through. Um, I, I remember early on when I sold Cuckoo Knives, I was able to sell more when I wasn't selling, but I was actually getting to know someone and we became more friends than I was a sales uh, situation. And all of a sudden my sales went through the roof. 
I applied that in business when I used to walk in the room with me and 25 other people on the other side. It didn't really matter. If they got to know me, I knew I was going to get the sale or we would become friends and figure something out later on down the line. I think uh, I, I try to tell young salespeople and young people in the business, the first thing you have to do is earn everybody's trust. And that doesn't always mean earn the sale. That means whatever you say you're going to do, do it. And sometimes I did things that I lost on because I said I was going to do it. So, you know, when you start to do those things, you build trust. And then when you also get confident in yourself, you know who you are. And once you know who you are, you're okay with the good, the bad, the ugly. It doesn't matter. Um, I'll tell you, there's been dips in businesses, things that have happened. But the one thing that people can always say or, or no one can ever not say about me is they couldn't find me. I always show up, good or bad. And I've had the same number for now 29 years. And my wife laughs. She's like, you're never going to change that number. I'm like, no. For what? They're like, somebody needs me. They can always know my number. Um, it's just one of those things about you apply those things in your life and who you are. And it's very easy to translate into business. Um, I never felt I was doing anything to somebody. I always wanted to do things with people. And, and that's the thing that we, inside of REACH, that is our number one mantra. What are we doing together? How do we integrate? How do we collaborate? And when, when I talk to NBC, when I talk to, forget about NBC, when I talk to Linda, when I talk to Laura, when I talk to the team, it's never about this deal, that deal. It's about what can we do? What can we make that experience better? I've been in transactional uh, relationships before. I'm not interested in those anymore. That's not the relationship that's going to be long-term. You can do transactions anytime you want. You've got to build relationships for long-term success. And the key to those long-term relationships is trust. So, you know, I think trust is the core to business. And a lot of people don't teach that enough or talk about it enough. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. And Linda, you and NBCU have viewed as sort of the gold standard as a trusted partner. I'd love to ask you about some of the folks that, influenced you along that way who you learned from i think i think you were a turner past the ted turner era but there must have been some incredible great minds who you learned from not only isabella yaccarino but <laughs> folks in the business setting that instilled that importance of trust deep deep into your dna well, you know, first of all, I was lucky enough my first couple of years when I joined Turner that Ted was still at the company. And I did get to learn. I, I learned about vision. I learned about conviction, belief in yourself, confidence. And he certainly had a, that that your word is your bond, Southern, you know, kind of moral compass uh, uh, when, you know, just in those days, it was incredible. But, but we'll move from Isabel Yaccarino to Bob Yaccarino, who, who he, people call him Chief Bob because he's a chief of police um, for 30 years. Um, but that being said, when I started out in my first job in the business after my internship, he said to me, Linda, I don't know anything about media or advertising, but I do know that there is right and there is wrong, and that applies to any business. So I think back then, pretty brilliant for a chief of police to instill in his way, uh, you know, hey, hey, young daughter, check in with your moral compass as often as possible. So I set off in my career with, with those kind of guiding words. 
Um, but I, I would say how that has manifested today, like in your original question, you said, you know, trust has taken on a new definition today. I'm not sure that trust has a new definition. I think people have been very liberal with their own connotation of what's acceptable in a business relationship. I think that what's changed is the risk you're talking about when that trust is breached, right? There is so, the stakes are so much higher than they ever have been. It's, it's consumers, it's people's livelihoods that are affected when you breach that trust in today's day and age and in the business that we're in. We're in a high stakes business that affects people, right? So, so I think it, it really talks about with trust being so central to, to NBCU, who you partner with is one thing, but how you partner is a whole nother thing. And it's why trust matters. So, so you know, how Linwood and I have formed this relationship between NBCU and Reach is because I don't have to ask him about how he approaches or feels about trust. I don't have to ask him about quote unquote, the deal we just did and how we're going to land that plane and make sure we deliver from our par- to our partners. I don't have to worry about that. And he looks at me to say, when Linda says she or her team is going to do something, we do it. When, and we're going to follow up and we're going to deliver. And if we can't deliver on what we thought we could, I got this whole super tanker of NBC Universal to back that up, to deliver because He's part of the team. He's part of my family. And I'm going to deliver on that. So, so I think it's, you know, you have to choose your partners carefully, but you also have to make sure how you partner, that you have those same definitions and your question of what does trust mean? What are those core values? Because you're going to be confronted. You know, there's a million uh, easy deals we could have done, but those aren't the deal. That's not a growth strategy, right? That's not how we're investing in this partnership to keep growing and growing. Fantastic stuff. So that's a great segue to get into the NBCU Reach TV partnership. How did it begin? Where'd the idea come from? I don't know. Woody, was I chasing you or were you chasing me? I can't remember. You know, I, I, I will say that. Be kind. Be kind to the girl and say I was chasing you, Linda. Yes, I, I always <laughs> have to be kind whenever I hear the word. A girl was chasing me. Um, my wife will be fine. She'll like that. But somebody was chasing me finally. Um, but I will say that it's, it's funny. I've been around this business and around business for a long time. And if you look at who is the leader and what you can talk about, when you went back to the word trust, when it came to news, I mean, we, we can dance around it. Let's just be blind. NBC was never caught into the mud of what I was seeing as fake news and so forth and so on. And being in the airport world, while, you know, every other place has their ways of getting around, the airport's really really conservative and really strict about trying to take away the polarizing parts of it and have just truth and positivity. And when I looked at that, NBC was that. There was that in the news. It was that in how I delivered everything we did. And then it was just, I looked at the people that I knew at NBC and and all those qualities sat there. So yes, I kind of stopped some of the people at NBC. I showed up at, I didn't show I went to events and made sure and we spent time at CES together. We talked about philosophies together, you know, and I wanted to show them that we were a, we could be a great partner to NBC. 
So NBC doesn't have to chase anybody. A lot of people are chasing them. And that's because they're built correctly. And they're built with the idea that technology and integration was at the forefront of what they were doing. So I heard Linda speak at CES, and I tell her this all the time. Um, what made me say Linda's definitely the best one is she laughed about buckets of money out of home versus that versus that versus that. She said, the content, the content, the content, the impression, the impression, the impression. What you call it, that's your problem. This is where we're going to put the content. These are the impressions. That's it. And she said that on the stage to a bunch of agencies and everybody just said, okay. <laughs> so, you know, there's a, a trust all the way around and a belief. Now I'm going to go back to something else that you said about passion and belief. Leaders exude that. And Linda did that in a, in a room full of people ready to argue. They just said, nah, that's not going to happen here. And they were ready to just go and follow. So I think it doesn't take enough credit for the way one platform has changed and how fast it's changed inside the older technology of big pipes. That's changed so quick that it's, it's, it's really it's remarkable how fast this has happened. It really is. Woody, I love what you've done to aggregate travel and tastemakers. Linda, you have quite a bevy of assets that you sit on top of, both here in the U.S. and with the Sky Partnership globally. What was it about Reach TV that was so attractive to you in your team? You have a lot of places you can spend your time and efforts, things that you already own, other partnerships you have. What was it about what Woody has built that was so attractive to you? Well, I, I will tell you, first of all, his vision of where Reach TV can go is really what, you know, kind of caught our attention, right? So, so the, the partnership as it exists today is really only the beginning, right? So we started supplying or working together or partnering with content for our company probably, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago. And it, it runs the gamut through our entire portfolio, local news to Peacock. Mm -hmm. So including Telemundo, sports, so any content that we have that we are able to curate and, and deliver to Reach TV that then distributes it globally through uh, Reach's network is, is what, how the relationship started. But what really made this uh, uh, so become such an expansive partnership was because yes, we sit on a bunch of assets here. Yes, we're the, at least right now, the biggest media company in the domestic US for now visions of uh, expanding much more aggressively uh, globally. But Reach has something NBC Universal doesn't have, right? So it gave us an opportunity to get into another marketplace where I can deliver those impressions that Woody mentioned to more consumers. So we may have a lot, but I can't give marketers everything they need. So partnerships like Reach gives us added scale that is so elusive to marketers today. So it was a whole new marketplace that we wanted to lean into very aggressively so we could offer marketers more in terms of scale along with the rest of the NBCU and Sky portfolio and therefore reaching the consumers with all of that content that's sitting at the center of culture that we talked about so much. It's just another tentacle to deliver more reach. You referenced that we're still sort of in the early days of the partnership. 
without giving anything away, if we were having this conversation a year from now, what do you think we might be talking about? Woody, let's start with you. Well, I look at it. I think about it every day. Um, I see it. I'm actually looking at two to three years down the road because we, we've already talked about so many things. I think one of the things you'll see in a year from now will be a global partnership. And I mean, the footprint of a significant global footprint. I think you'll see it in more locations are following that person on their journey from the minute they book to their tr- journey through the airport, in the flight, around the globe. I think there's, I think there's more things we could do to uh, experiential we'll be doing. But the most important thing is we're going to be delivering what that viewer, that viewer experience, they're taking that to another level. And I think that's what's been really exciting for me is watch the transformation of our network because of NBC and because of this partnership, give that viewer an experience that they never had before. Because when you look at somebody who's traveling, they're already stressed. And we're already seeing travel back 84% yesterday. And Delta and others are saying this weekend they're going to drop top 100% of 2019. But what you're also seeing is people are sitting there longer. So dwell times in certain airports are already past 150 minutes and they're watching our network 80, 90 minutes. This is where we have to shine. And what NBC and all the content we've been able to get and the way we're reprogramming and, and thinking about programming differently has been so, like I'm pumped up and excited because I'm in the airports watching this viewer have this great experience. And what we want to do is continue that and be able to take that with them as they go, to have experiential, to be able to shop, to do so many things that are with the fingertip that we're doing now, or just at the cost because we just opened up. But in a year from now, when you check back in, you'll probably tell us the amazingness because you'll be traveling and seeing it and go, wow, I can't believe you were able to do that, that, that and that. That's what I see a year from now. Fantastic. Linda? Yeah, listen, we are just as bullish on this partnership. And again, you know, I did say it's just the beginning. So in a year and a half, we've moved for, um, from a content relationship, uh, now expanded to a monetization partnership. And that kind of busts things wide open to talk about how do we um not only partner with uh, NBC Universal IP, but what does content look like in this new relationship, right? And and you know, does it all have to be short form? Could it be long form? We are extremely bullish on a commerce extension to this experience. So I think you're going to be hearing a lot of uh, new, never been done before initiatives coming out of this partnership and then turbocharged as we're growing more globally. I mean, along with Sky, uh, we're reaching more than 700 million people, which is only growing, right? So if you're able to reach those amount of people for long watch periods of time every year, and then you add the reach piece when you're looking at any given time, when you're at 100 minutes, 150 minutes, all across the globe, as they are moving throughout their day, the, I think the um, opportunities are truly incredible for a very personalized consumer experience between um, NBCU and Reach. Well, I guess the last tie that binds the two of you that I can see is a commitment and a delivery 
on the promise of breaking new ground. And I think that's exactly what you are doing here with this partnership and absolutely fascinating conversation. So Linda, I'd be remiss not to ask you to close about something that's coming up. I think the last time we were together uh, was when you were with us and Gary Zenkel was with us live in Tokyo. And we were talking about the Olympic games and Tokyo games are upon us. I'd love to get your thoughts on those. And I would also love to ask you about the incredible partnership that you've developed. And this is purely as a fan of the Olympic games that you've developed with the USOC in LA 2028, which has taken the whole paradigm to a new level. I imagine some of that content, Woody will end up on Reach TV, but I'd love to get your thoughts heading into the Tokyo games. Thank you for asking the question. Just listening to you ask the question, uh, I still get chills. So I'm so excited. We have some folks literally heading out tonight uh, to add to our team that's already on the ground in Tokyo. So it's a very, very exciting time for us. And one thing I will tell you, uh, the U.S. team, particularly the women's team, is so strong going into Tokyo that I urge you and everyone who who's listening um, to tune in as much as possible because it's going to make you incredibly proud of your U.S. team because it, it, we're just entering with so much excitement. You know, uh, Simone Biles, the, the, the probably the singular athlete, you know, the best is the tip of the iceberg. So we've got a really, really strong team. It's very exciting. And, and think about it, how much the world is craving to come back together for the first time in over 18 months. And, and while, while this will be uh, one of the first Olympics that I'm not going to, while I wish there were international fans uh, being able to join in Tokyo, we're excited that Japanese fans will be in Tokyo cheering, cheering all the athletes on. So it's a super exciting, just think about it, the most, the most pristine global brand that exists, that brings together people, fans from all over the world for the pure enthusiasm of sport and support of their respective athletes. So that's an exciting thing to be a part of. And it, it takes everything else off the table. You know, politics aside, it all goes off the table and said, this is all about sport and the athletes of the Olympics. And that's why uh, we entered into our partnership with the USOPP and LA28, because for the first time, we're bringing together all of sports sponsorship and media for the first time for, again, this pristine global brand that really there's no surrogate for the Olympics. You will see the Olympics hit our airwaves in a, in a couple of weeks. And, and the Olympics is four, five times more dominant than anything else that's out there. So you can imagine the advertiser conversations that we get to have with a product this strong, this pristine, this actually this perfect. So if you saw a couple of weeks ago, we very enthusiastically announced one of our newest partners and that was Salesforce joining with us um, as they partnered with us to bring the games finally back to the US in LA when it when 2028 comes. So, so the demand and the momentum is really strong and we have a very, very, um, in-depth partnership with LA28 that we're really, really excited 
to be bringing out to the marketplace. And the Tokyo Games is just going to be, uh, you know, a beginning of just an extraordinary kickoff. Fantastic. Well, I couldn't be more excited. I read somewhere 7,000 hours. Is that true? Over 7,000 hours of content. And if I could put this partnership in perspective, just think about it. Seven years, five games. So when you are able to talk to a partner about that type of continuity, representing a brand at that level to say, grab my hand, hold on to me as a partner for five games. It's a pretty intense conversation to have. It's fantastic. Thanks so much to you both. This was an extraordinary to get to talk about the NBCU Reach TV partnership. It's exciting. I think it delivers on the promise of technology in a really compelling way. And uh, I can't wait to see where it goes. And we would love to have you back a year from now and talk about all the new ground that you've broken. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.